thank you, Brandon. Uh, as we mentioned, we're working through Ephesians. Uh, the theme is being in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? Ephesians is laid out in a way that gives us three different sections about what it means to be in Christ. One is the believer's blessings, the believer's position, and then the believer's life lived all in Christ. Last week, specifically, Pastor Casey discussed election and redemption and adoption. This week, we're going to continue with the idea of spiritual blessings, uh, the spiritual blessings of Christ. We're going to focus on Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. So if you have a Bible, I would turn there. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. Hear now the passage from St. John's Epistle to the Ephesians. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Thus ends the reading of God's word. The two spiritual blessings mentioned here are an inheritance and the Holy Spirit. So the two spiritual blessings for the children, pay attention, an inheritance and the Holy Spirit. But before we expound, expound upon these, let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the spiritual blessings that have been given to us in Christ. May this truth and the blessings of inheritance in the Holy Spirit cause us to praise and glorify you and you alone. We pray this in Christ's name, the one through whom the blessings have been given. Amen. So we've all seen the Lion King at this point, right? The Lion King's been out a while. We all know that famous scene where Mustafa takes Simba up onto Pride Rock, shows him the Pride Lands, and says, all of this will be yours someday. The problem is that Simba had an uncle who, uh, through some cunning and uh, evil, tricks him into thinking he killed his father. And so he runs away, ironically, because of his pride and his guilt and embarrassment. Then Scar is free to exploit the inheritance that was due to Simba. This brings us to our blessing number one, inheritance. Our inheritance in Christ is not fully realized now, but it will be in the future. We also did nothing to receive the promise of it, just like Simba. He was just born into the family. Verse 11 of Ephesians 1 says, Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Last week, Pastor Casey discussed being adopted into God's family. We are now sons and daughters. God has brought us into his family through the working out of his will. It's his will and his will alone. He does it for his good purpose. This is a good time to discuss adoption from a very practical standpoint. Um, 
Michelle and I have grown our family through exclusively adoption out of uh, biological necessity. And um, we've adopted Levi and Josiah, and we have Ava, who we just uh, heard this week or last that her hearing is scheduled. So we're very excited about that. Um, I can tell you that that ceremony, outside of church, that ceremony manifests so much theological truth that it's, it's palpable. It's immediate. You walk in. The judge questions. Uh, the, the child is typically a state, uh, is, is the uh, under guardianship of some kind of organization. We've used Bethany Christian Services. So they question Bethany Christian Services on her, her current state. They question them on, on us if we're fit to be parents. And then they question us and ask us about our, some personal questions and if we want to adopt this child. The judge then declares, that child is yours with all the rights and responsibilities therein. It's a very powerful moment. It was one of the first times that, that the reality of the civil magistrate came to life for me. God ordains the civil magistrate and those leaders, and he gives them the ability to say something like that, to confer a child into a family. It really helps to bring the Kyperian spheres of government to life, too, but that's a different story. Uh, it's just it's amazing to see the state acting on behalf of the almighty ruler of the cosmos. It's embodied. A picture of our adoption into the body of Christ is manifested. We wanted nothing more than to bring these children into our household. We wanted to love them. We wanted to nurture them. We wanted to be used by God to bring them into maturity. We recognize the helplessness of these children. We enter into God's family the same way as infants. These little ones were unaware of the magnitude of the event that was taking place. They didn't understand. But we brought them into our household partially to give them an inheritance. Consider this now in light of that. Christ is ruling and reigning over heaven and earth. Our inheritance is his. Our inheritance is first and foremost freedom from sin and death. Christ has conquered sin and death through his life, death, and resurrection. He's the firstborn and now has provided us an inheritance where we will be free from the effects of sin. No more decay. No more death, no more weeping and gnashing of teeth, no more loneliness, no more cancer, no more congenital diseases, no more famine or financial stress, no more war. Our inheritance is eternal life from the God of the universe by his Son. Our inheritance is not merely limited to relief from the effects of sin, our inheritance also includes being in the presence of Christ. This morning we get a foretaste of this. We have ascended. We've given offerings and we will continue to give offerings. We are being consecrated as we speak. We will be communing as a body with Christ as our Savior at the table 
This is a pinnacle of the service. We are feasting on Christ's body and blood. We are nourished both physically and spiritually to go out and perform our ordinary vocations. A shadow, this is just a shadow though of our eternal communion with Christ. Our inheritance is greater than a few calories of bread or the enjoyment of a few ounces of wine. The inheritance is complete and utter sustenance and joy as we engage in the good work assigned for us in the city of God as God's presence is so expansive that it lights the very streets we walk upon. This is the inheritance we have from being in Christ. The second blessing is the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 talks about the Holy Spirit sealing our inheritance. It seals, it also guarantees, uh, and some uh, scholars say that it could also be this idea of a down payment. It's kind of funny to think of the Holy Spirit as merely a down payment. Obviously, I say that tongue-in-cheek. The Holy Spirit is never merely anything. He is a person of the Godhead. He is fully God. He lacks nothing. The Holy Spirit is a blessing of being in Christ. And we do nothing to be brought into Christ. These are blessings of being brought into Christ. The Holy Spirit doesn't move based on our obedience or disobedience. We do nothing, nothing to be called, nothing. And we can do nothing to get rid of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given by God the Father as our guarantee, as a guarantee of our inheritance. This brings up a lot of questions in people's lives, myself included in the past. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Do I have this guarantee? Questioning salvation is something that many struggle with. How can God save me? Doesn't he know what I've done? How can I, how can I know that I have the Holy Spirit? These questions, are doubts, these questions and doubts are pervasive in the church. However, in reality, they are direct attacks on the goodness of God and his character. Let's start with the seal of the Holy Spirit. How do we know we have the seal of the Holy Spirit? Well, are you concerned if you have the seal of the Holy Spirit? That's probably a really good sign that you do have the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, uh, St. John, chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, Jesus describes what the Holy Spirit will do for believers. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. If we are convicted of our sins, we have the Holy Spirit. There's a divide that exists, uh, and it's easily seen with each, with each passing day in terms of... Uh, the elect and the non-elect, right? The believers and the pagans. And the enemy uses, uh, the, the enemy weaponizes Christ's teaching against his church uh, to falsely convict us. Sometimes we call that moral posturing. Um, but we can see it more and more each day how the fruit 
of that worldview is leading to death. The abortion movement was rocked by the toppling of Roe versus Wade. It didn't outlaw abortion. However, the advocates are still pushing hard to legalize, to nationally legalize the right, quote unquote, to an abortion until birth. We know this is murder. Many in that side of the movement are openly admitting that it is the ending of a life. In fact, there's a satanic temple that uh, is arguing that it's a sacrament and therefore, uh, because of the religious rights clause, um, they should be allowed to practice it. Let's contrast that to contemplating our seal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has convicted you toward repentance and faith. The opposite is, are you shackled to your sin and deceived so much that you openly advocate for murder of unborn children? The conviction to even contemplate sin in the Holy Spirit is evidence enough for confidence in your position in Christ. Now, I think this also deserves a quick baptism discussion, so let's go there as well. We know baptism is a sign and seal of a covenant reality enacted by God. It is not the act itself that washes us, but God who uh, is working behind the scenes. I would encourage you to look to your own baptism when contemplating your position in Christ. 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The this, this passage is referring to, is Noah and his family being saved from the judgment on the ark. Saved from, remember, the judgment against a wicked generation. We are experiencing the rise of a wicked generation. And if you have concern for your spiritual state, state and the evil in this world, we should turn to our baptisms. Remember the pledges made by you if you had a believer's baptism or by your parents if you were baptized as a child. In fact, when we do baptisms here, it's always, for me, a very emotional moment thinking through um, my baptism and my children's baptism. Remember God's faithfulness to a thousand generations. I encourage you to rejoice in the entrance into the covenant and the blessings it affords, which now necessitates a discussion of covenant and God's promises in a covenant. So we'll go there. Genesis 15, 17 is where God made a covenant with Abraham. And this verse in particular discusses what God did to prove that he was uh, going to be good with his covenant. It seems silly for us to think about that now, but Abraham wanted proof. So, covenants require uh, a consequence should they not be help, uh, kept. And this goes back to some study into uh, the idea of covenant back at the uh, ancient Near East. Uh, Abraham was questioning if God would keep his covenant with him. God made a vow to show him that he would uh, keep the covenant. So what he did was he asked Abraham to cut a heifer and a goat and a ram in half and place them apart across from each other. And Abraham went to sleep. 
Then God, represented by a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch, passed through the animals. This was part of the covenant agreement. Covenant contains the idea of cutting. In fact, um, that's a phrase that you could think of too, cutting the covenant. Essentially, what God is saying is he would cut himself should he not keep his covenant. We know that's impossible. God is spirit, infinite, eternal. Anybody else have the want to repeat the Westminster Catechism? He's also one being. God was showing he would keep his covenant promise. He was not capable of performing, let alone uh, being subject to the consequences of breaking that covenant. It's the most secure covenant you can imagine. God cannot violate his character. Remember that God is faithful in his covenant promises. However, warnings for those who leave the covenant, there are warnings for those who leave the covenant community. Hebrews 6 addresses those who have tasted the goodness of the word of God or shared in the Holy Spirit and fallen away. We cannot ignore this reality. So we must strive in faith, remembering our baptism, into the covenant and our inheritance of the Holy Spirit as a seal and guarantee of that. We also must rest in the work of Christ and the blessings of union with him. The result of these blessings. What is the result of these blessings? Where do the spiritual blessings of inheritance in the Holy Spirit lead us? Well, both verses 12 and 14 tell us it's the praise of his glory. What does that mean? The praise of of his glory. Well, let's contemplate the blessings so far. Let's add them up. Remember, these are not from our own power. We've been elected. We've been adopted. We've been redeemed. We have an inheritance. And we have the Holy Spirit. Again, this is all given to us outside of our own power or choice. What should our response be? To rejoice. Give him the glory for what he has done. This is the chief end of man. We are to glorify God and enjoy him forever. John Calvin said of this verse that every man, therefore, who hides this glory is endeavoring to overturn the everlasting purpose of God. I'm going to read that one more time. Every man, therefore, who hides his glory is endeavoring to overturn the everlasting purpose of God. Don't fight God by hiding your light under a bushel, as the old song says. Declare his goodness to all and through all you do. Declare his goodness. Uh, these blessings should be the engine that drive us. Grace and mercy should permeate our relationships. We need to extend forgiveness Remember the Lord's Prayer, forgive as we have been forgiven. Do not hold a higher standard than God. Don't add an unnecessary requirement. We are called to forgive. We are not called to forgive the repentant. We're not even called to forgive the someone we want to be with on a daily basis. We are called to forgive as we have been forgiven. Remember, God initiated our forgiveness for his purposes 
not because of something we did. We are still sinners. In, extend that grace to others that you have been given. Be quick to forgive. Forgive those that have hurt you. The second thing, the second way that we can uh, do this is bring the blessings from Christ into every area of our life. He's making all things new. We should take part by embodying the gifts that we have been given. Govern yourself and your family as if you are the son and daughters of a king. Work as if your inheritance is from the maker of heaven and earth. Worship as one who is enlightened by the Holy Spirit and nourished by Christ. Live life giving glory to the one ruling and reigning over heaven and earth. In conclusion, Simba eventually was convinced to return to Pride Rock and to confront Scar and overturn his reign. He successfully defeated him and took his inheritance back. He remembered his birthright. He remembered his place. He brought life back to the Pride Lands. May may we remember that as the elect, redeemed, and adopted children of God, that we have an inheritance guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Let us live in a way that brings that new life wherever we go. Let us freely forgive and work to bring about the fruit that God has ordained through the counsel of his will. Let us live this life to the praise of his glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.